Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the terrible title of these horrible movies. If you've made a horror movie on your phone or through special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you take a somewhat popular arcade franchise shooter, allow a crappy director to direct the film, and give him a $5 million budget? Why, you get House of the Dead. You must stop Curian, or else something terrible will happen. Why, hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. Oh boy, it's time for video game movies. This is the start of three episodes in a row we're going to focus on a movie, particularly a horror movie, that's based on a video game. And what a way to start it uh, than with an Uwe Boll movie. Yay! (laughs) If you don't know who he is, um, he's a German director. And he has a love and a fascination for turning, like, video games into movies. And this was kind of his first foray into that world. He also did Alone in the Dark, uh, Postal, um, what are the other movies I can remember off my head? Oh, In the Name of the King. He did three of those fucking movies. And the first one had Jason Statham in it. Uh, he also did... Uh, fucking A, man. He has had a lot of fucking, like, bad... Horrible video game movies, and I know there's got to be another movie that I'm missing besides... Oh, Blood Rain, which he also did three of those movies. Um, He did another Alone in the Dark, too. Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, he did Far Cry. He did a Far Cry movie where the guys from... If you've ever been uh, to the Screw Attack website, but the owners of the site were actually in that film after making fun of him. This guy's got such a, like... I don't want to say horrible career, but kind of a horrible career. Um, but he started out, you know, making German films, trying to make some German-style comedies that didn't quite work out. And so, of course, you know, why not just give him money to go and, hey, guess what? Let's do some horrible video game movies for a U.S. company. It's just kind of weird, you know. Uh, he has... You know, it's so weird to talk about this guy because I'm afraid that he's going to challenge me to a boxing max like he did a lot of the other critics out there. Uh, if you don't know about that, please look it up because he did do that uh, at one point. 
he challenged all his critics to actually get in the ring with him and say that, hey, you said I do bad movies, well now let me beat the shit out of you. Um, I know I've seen him, but maybe I could take him? I don't know. Probably not. I, I bet you he's a lot more ripped than he lets on. Uh, or, you know, maybe I'll just get a stand-in or something like that. Be like, okay, well if I could choose who I get to fight for me, uh, we can put somebody in there because I'm a lover, not a fighter. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I also haven't worked out in a long time, so maybe that's not the best thing to do, but if you've ever seen one of his films, you kind of know what I, like, what I'm talking about. He does a lot of random things, and as you can even tell here, these are the worst title credits I think I've ever seen for a film in any of these films that we have fucking talked about in this entire time of this podcast has been around. I mean, I think there's been some horrible title like cards and everything like that. Some that are really short, some that but, but this is really terrible. I mean, it's all like random clips from House of the Dead, the arcade game, but all mixed with like well, they're all got these weird filters on them and it's like what the hell and even there when we're doing the start of the music after we get the, our little intro to the movie, they he puts in a splice of the movie, or of the game. I'm sorry, not the movie. Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be weird to be, like, super meta if he was putting splices of his own movie before the movie even, like, started? But he puts in, like, that little clip from the game about Dr. Kirian, which was uh, the antagonist of the first House of the Dead game, and the third one, I think he was actually the final boss in the third game. But this movie has a light tie to it. Uh supposedly based on the writers this is the prequel to the entire house of the dead franchise now now i'm gonna say that again this is the prequel to the whole house of the dead franchise this is what sega thought would be a good idea to give you a somewhat start to the whole house of the dead like this is how it all began and then we went into house of the dead for the arcades Really? So what you're telling me is that the guy that's the bad guy of this movie, who really doesn't surface to the last, like, 20 minutes of the film, oh, you see him, you see him, and you hear about him at one point, but you don't really see him and hear from him until, like, the last 20 minutes of this fucking movie. And I'm not even thinking it's that. I have a feeling it's more like the last 15 minutes of this fucking movie. Now... I don't get Seagal in this one. And this would be the third in the movie in a fucking row that I've done that I got fucking Seagal. But I'm not going to say that that's that in this movie. Because honestly, I I don't know why we don't get to know about this guy till the very end. Well, okay, fair. In the middle, but we don't get to see this guy to the very end and find the motive of what's going on until the very end of the movie. It makes no sense. It literally plays like a shitty video game from back in like 1985, okay? Like an old NES classic where, or heaven forbid, okay? I'm gonna say this and I know it to be true and I'm probably gonna piss off some Final Fantasy fans, but like a Final Fantasy boss from back in the Super Nintendo and even in some of the Nintendo era where you had one antagonist for the entire fucking game, right? And then all of a sudden you have a blob. Like, let's take Final Fantasy IV, also known as Final Fantasy II in the U.S. at the time. You fight through the whole fucking game thinking that it's Golbez, 
And then at the very end of the game, spoiler alert, uh, it's fucking Zeromus. Zeromus is the guy that truly is the one that's causing all the havoc. But Zeromus hasn't been a part of the whole entire game until the last section of the goddamn game. That's the way this movie fucking plays. This, this asshole that pops up at the end of the movie is the main antagonist of the whole movie, yet he's done nothing. The only things that have done anything are the fucking zombies the entire time. It, it Maybe it's just like playing a House of the Dead game. I don't know. You know, I was never a big fan of the franchise. I'm not a big fan of arcade shooters, right? And I'm not talking about, like, first-person shooters, because everybody can do those. It's not that type of game. It's those ones where they're designed for you to plug in a ton of coins into, and to fucking everything, especially if you're only playing by yourself, it's, like, three times as fucking hard, because now you can get hit on any part of the fucking screen. And luckily, later on in the like video game industry they kind of change that so if it hits like the right side of the screen you don't actually take damage anymore but with house of the dead that's the way it was if you're playing by yourself <clears throat> if the guy hits the guy on the right side of the screen you get hurt maybe that's a setting that some people could turn on and off i don't fucking know but this is what i remember when i played the game so i was never a big fan i i was a big fan of the theme i really thought it was cool you go in here and you're gonna fight a bunch of zombies it was like playing Resident Evil, but in an arcade, where it was, you know, that was kind of cool, but the game itself, the difficulty was bullshit, okay, and maybe that's what I'm going into in this movie, the difficulty of watching this movie is fucking bullshit, so, you're already going through, you're giving this, and I don't normally talk about numbers when it comes to films, but this film had a five million dollar budget, okay, and it really shows, but five million for 2003, I think you would probably put it in that 15 to 20 million budget that most low-end movies get nowadays. Because they still try to market these movies unless you're doing something that's considered like an indie project. Then 5 million is probably around the indie. But they were willing to give him 5 million dollars. And in the U.S. market alone, this movie made over 10 million dollars. So it made its money back. That's how he got to direct more fucking movies, people, is that he actually turned a profit. Like, they're like, wow, we doubled our profit for this. What if we gave him a little bit more money? He's at least going to make his money back. And maybe as he kept making more and more and more and more and more horrible movies, they were like, wow, people are just going to see these because of horrible. Let's just keep going. Or he put his own fucking money into it. I don't fucking know. I really don't know how he got to make more movies after this movie, at least with major U.S. studios. It blows my fucking mind. And I, I said this on Twitter before this episode was written, and so I'm still going to say it here. Sega's decline of the console market. The, it was not the Dreamcast that killed them. It was them sponsoring the fucking rave that was in this movie and sponsoring this fucking movie. This was the start of the downfall of Sega, okay? That's it. There, there is no other way to say it because they really haven't turned anything else of theirs into a theatrical like franchise or tried to do anything with it. They may have tried to do another House of the Dead movie. Hell, there might be a House of the Dead 2 I don't even fucking know about. And you know what? I'm not going to fucking find out because I'm probably going to fucking find out that Uwe fucking Ball directed this fucking movie. Oh. <sighs> But I digress. <laughs> this this film is a chore. I remember watching it the first time that I ever saw it and just laughing out loud at how ridiculous this stuff was. And I wasn't even in a theater. 
I almost wanted to go see this in a movie theater. Almost. And then you know what? I was like, mm, maybe we wait. And you know what? That turned out to be the best idea ever. Anybody that saw this in a theater, I am deeply, deeply sorry. And I mean this, that you had to waste that money. Hopefully you went and saw it on a matinee. And if nowadays, if you say you had movie pass, you know what? What the hell? Like, I wouldn't mind going and see some of the movies that I've seen recently if I had movie pass. Like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go actually watch this film so that I can discuss it or do whatever with it. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to pay fucking $17, $18 at night to go, or well, around here, right? Uh, if you have to go into a big one, I think it's like 14 if you go into like the non-digital Dolby or IMAX or where the fuck you're going to go see it in. Uh, but it's still crazy amount of money to go see a movie in the area that I'm at. And, you know, if I had movie pass, maybe it's not so bad. But I don't have that. So I would have, you know, wasted a ton of money to see this in the theater. But I, I'm getting way off topic here. But like I said, this movie's a chore. Uh, if you have not seen this movie... Uh, I would say just this is one of those cases that unless you really want to see something uh, fantastic, uh, well, fantastically bad at points, then go ahead, go and watch it. I don't know. Like, there are a whole lot of places to watch it. You could watch select scenes of this film uh, available probably in like YouTube or Daily Motion or Vidable, whatever there is out there. You could probably find this movie and watch those specific scenes. But other than that, I would just stay away in general. Well, without getting too much more into my frustrations with the director and <laughs> seeing this film over again for this podcast, let's get right into <sighs> House of the Dead. So it begins with our main character. He's sitting out, and there looks like there's been a bunch of, like, fighting going on during this part of the film. And he kind of gives us a little, I don't know, insight into what has been going on uh, up to this point. It was a nightmare. So many dead people. So many victims. It all started a few days ago when I came here for a rave. And now all that remains is the rotten smell of death. Okay, well, I know, raves really aren't that bad. I mean, people do stink when they've been in a rave, right? But it shouldn't smell like death. Well, okay, so something has really gone down. You see, there's a bunch of smoke. It looks like there might be some bodies on the field. And he looks like he's been kind of beat to shit. I mean, he must have seen some things or gone through some things. So from here, we do go through that whole long-ass title sequence. And I mean, really, that title sequence is like two minutes long. He starts his explanation at about 30 seconds in. Then we go into the title sequence, which again includes the fucking clip from the video game before the Prodigy fucking kicks in. And I swear that's the Prodigy if I'm wrong... I don't care. It sounds exactly, at least it's a prodigy ripoff, but I could have sworn that it was actually them. When he comes back, he kind of explains a little more about what's been going on, and then he talks about his friends as we get to be introduced to each one of them. So, where are they, dude? We're going to miss the boat. Greg and Simon. Greg's the guy I played ball with in college. A good guy, if not a little goofy. Simon. They say God doesn't give with two hands, and they were right. You got the looks, but not much between those ears. Cynthia. 
Greg's girlfriend, pure eye candy. I'm, uh, Simon. Karma thinks she's Foxy Brown. She has a crush on Simon, but Simon only has eyes for Alicia, my ex. We broke up a few weeks ago so I could study and she could fence. She loves it. I don't see what it's good for. Fencing! Huh! Good God, y'all, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again, y'all. Yeah, studying's a lot more important than fencing, right? I mean, does it have any type of bearing to the rest of the film? Fuck, I don't know. I honestly didn't catch it the very first time I rewatched this movie, and not until the second time. Like, that he actually mentioned it was fencing. I was like, okay, he's just going off and studying is more important to him than whatever she was doing. But honestly, who decides that, hey, you know... We're going to break up because fencing, that's a lot more important to me. And you want to make sure that you study because you're going into the field of, um, well, according to this film, it's the field of raving because that's where he's gone onto the island. I don't know. That's good study like behavior, right? Like, I got to study. You know where I'm going to study the best? At a fucking rave. Let's go. Well, maybe, maybe he's going to be a plastic surgeon, so he needs to study boobs, right? Or butts, or stomachs, or whatever it possibly could be that he's working on. Maybe he's going to be a plastic surgeon of eyelids. He's going to go in and he's going to start sucking the fat out of people's eyelids or something like that. And he needs to go and see naked people at a rave to, you know, better his career. Okay, I get it. Maybe that is a good place to go if you're going to be some sort of, like, elective surgeon or something like that. But honestly, like, the reason that you're going to break up is because fencing is more important to you. Honestly, like that has to be the dumbest thing ever. Well, anyway, so we move on a little bit more, and there's some more type of like foreboding dialogue that pops up. You sure this is where the boat's supposed to leave from? Maybe Joanna gave you the wrong info. Uh, yeah, hun, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it says here the boat doesn't leave until 5. Yeah, and it's 5.15 now, Simon. Oh, shit, we're so fucked. They missed the boat to the rave. If only they decided to stay back in Seattle, they'd all be alive today. Okay, so that's not really foreboding. That's more or less telling us what's going to happen. They're going to die. At some point in this movie, all of them are going to die. That means that Alicia, his ex, is not going to survive. That means Cynthia, the blonde lady, is not going to survive. I think it's Karma is the name of the black girl. Uh, and Simon and Garfunkel, I mean Greg, he is, they are all not going to survive. And now we're just going to have to figure out who goes first. So my bet at this point, it's Greg. I think Greg is going to be the first one to go because he seems kind of like an idiot and kind of like the dunce of the group. Then maybe you got Cynthia because maybe she could be the whore of the group, right? And the whores usually die first. And we don't want to kill the black girl off right away. So maybe she'll last a little longer. But I think that you're going to see a lot of other people die before she does. And then Simon, he's going to sacrifice himself at some point to go ahead and save, uh, you, you know, what's her name, Alicia. And then I guess Alicia's going to die at some point. Because we know Rudy survives, cause at least, or at least to that point. We don't know what point that is. That could be right in the middle of the film. That could be towards the end of the film. Who knows? We just know that he's the only one to actually survive this whole rave of the dead i i don't know what the fuck is going on with this film but if you had to take bets that's where my bets would be 
Now, of course, if you've seen the film, you would know what the order that people die in, right? So my guessing here is not very far off, and it's just kind of what I remembered about the film, but we'll get into that as time goes along. So from here, we get that little forebodingness, not really foreboding, basically telling us what's going on, and we see the shittiest of all shitty raves in the middle of a forest on some random island somewhere. I mean, it's not too bad. There's some boobs. Uh, there's a giant Sega banner above the DJ stage. It's not even a tent, man. Like, this is Seattle weather. It looks like it's gonna fucking rain any moment, and you don't have a fucking tent. All you got is a stage with all the electrical equipment all spread around. Oh, here comes the water. It's not gonna be the fucking undead that kills them. It's one fucking Seattle rainstorm that's gonna do it, okay? The rain's just gonna come down. It's gonna fry the DJ. It's gonna go all like, you know, gremlins too, where the electricity gremlins just gonna run around and zap everybody. And we're going to see the whole rave party dead because Sega decided that safety wasn't their number one thing to do and not to cover all the electrical equipment. And the music sucks, okay? Whatever this DJ is spinning, it's pure and absolute bullshit. We also meet this lady who is probably going to die soon, talking to somebody and she loses her cell phone reception. And... Once she loses the reception, she's like like telling this person, Oh man, you should come. Oh, hello? Hello? Oh, this reception sucks. Hey, you dude next to me that I'm not sure that I know, but maybe I do, but the film doesn't care to tell me. So where were we going to fuck? Like, <laughs> it's seriously like, she goes from like concern to horror in five seconds. It's really fucking ridiculous. And not horror, raver, party goer, whatever you want to call her. Um... But that's basically what she does. She's just like, oh, okay, it's time to go fuck. And so we go back over to Seattle to the main group. And they're still trying to find a way to get over to the island to experience this rave. And that's where we get to meet Clint Howard's character. I think it... I'm not going to be right in saying his name. But I always feel like it said that his name was Stanislaus or something like that. Or Stanish or... Daglish or whatever. It's Crint fucking Howard being weird fucking guy in dumb fucking movie. What you doing over there? Uh, good evening. Beautiful day, isn't it? You got yourself some sort of hearing disability? I ask you a question. Uh, come to try to your boat, sir. Oh, you do, huh? Well, that's too bad. Because this here's a fishing boat, not the Pacific Princess. Why don't you try the Yellow Pages? We've got to get to this uh, this party. There's an island, and we're hoping to use your boat. You're not the sharpest tool in the shed, are you? I said shove off. Or don't you spreken the English. Why don't you just name your price, and we can uh, skip the crotchety old man on the sea routine. The man's got to eat, right? What part of shove off didn't you understand? Oh, that. Jeez, who's the U-boat commander? Quando much? No. Uh, what? How much? Uh... Three hundred dollars now, fair? Uh, about six hundred, mine. Six hundred? No, no way. That's crazy. No one no. is talking to you. Where are you headed, girls? Huh? I don't know. We got this map. It's uh, somewhere in the San Juans. You must know where that is, right, Skipper? You crazy? They crazy? No, I don't think so. Excuse me? I said forget it. Yeah, forget it. Forget it. That means stop talking. Stop walking. Well, why? 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 They always ask why. You know what they call this island? Isla del Morte. Morte. That's Spanish for death. In case you don't speak Mexican. Well, listen, friend, I got me an island to cash right here, and if this is some lame attempt to hit me up for more cash... No, it ain't. 
There ain't enough cash in the world to make us go back there. Nah. Keep the cash. Keep the cash. Now, let's get out of here. Fuck it. A grand. You say 500 now, and another five on the way back. You can be mighty persuasive if you want to be Mr. Uh... Cruz. Simon Cruz. And you are? Kirk's the name. What was that? Captain Kirk? Does it make him Mr. Spock? I don't like no Captain Kirk jokes. All right, Captain Kirk. Maybe you can give me your best con! And we'll be perfectly uh, fine and happy for the rest of the movie. But, uh, okay, so Clint Howard's role is really kind of the best role in the movie. To be honest, he's at least the best acted next to Captain Kirk. I would say he probably has the best, second best role in the film. Well, ugh. It's so hard to be like, hey, guess what? You know who are the best characters in this shitty movie filled with shitty fucking characters? Why, it's Clint Howard's fucking character that says, why don't you speak Mexican? It's fucking Spanish, man. At least you can get that fucking right, can't you? Are you trying to be some type of weird fucking backwards asshole that's going like, oh, hey, don't you speak? He says Spreckensy English. You know how to fucking say that in German, but you can't say fucking Spanish. You don't know how to say fucking Spanish and Spreckensy Spanish, motherfucker. Come on. Like, why do we have to have that weird fucking stereotype here? But anyway, and, and he understands fucking Spanish because he can say Island of the Dead or death, or whatever, death island, whatever you want to fucking call it, and then he's willing, the captain here is willing to take a thousand bucks, worst fucking negotiator ever, well actually he's a pretty good negotiator, honestly, but here he's like, there, there's no way, <laughs> no money that will take me over there, and he's willing, then he's like, oh well, 400 bucks more? Yeah, I guess I could go over. That wouldn't be a problem. But he actually does have an ulterior motive to going over to the island, which we learn about in just a little bit. But honestly, if you have to look at all the characters in this film, and you have to rank them from worst to best, these two are probably in the best category. Uh, And I would definitely put whoever the fuck Clint Howard is supposed to be as number one, because Clint Howard, you know, as crappy as the role is, he kind of hams it up enough so that it's entertaining. I don't know why he's in this movie. Um, I feel like he could be in much better films than this, but maybe it's a paycheck and he needs a paycheck. Uh, (laughs) But then after him, you have the guy that plays Captain Kirk here. Uh, He's not terrible. He's not great. But he's probably the best acted character and probably the best character character besides a character that only lasts for the next like 15 minutes of the film. So they go ahead and they get ready to leave the island. And before they do, a couple of like port officials or something like that, uh, one of them, whom's name Casper, starts calling out and says it's their monthly inspection and the fact that uh, they need to stop and let them get on. Captain Kirk tells Simon and the crew that, hey, we can't leave. We're going to be you know stationed here for a little bit while they come over and inspect the ship. Uh, Simon decides, hey, I'll give you a couple hundred bucks to basically go. And he's like, okay, fine, we'll leave. And he starts leaving, and as Casper and her, like, person who really doesn't say anything, start yelling some more to tell them, hey, you guys gotta stop, while they race off towards the island. This is where I say Kirk is actually a good negotiator, because he tells Simon, hell, I would have left the island, or 
the port there for free, you didn't have to actually pay me because, well, he's probably got some illegal stuff on that ship. As he said when they were like, what is she going to expect? Oh, whether I have guns, drugs, or whatever on this boat. And so they head off towards the Island of the Dead. We cut back over to the island and we see the lady from earlier that lost her cell phone reception, along with that weird douchebag in the weird shirt. I don't know what the fuck is up with that shirt. It's a really shitty Hawaiian shirt or something of the latter. Like, who would take that to a rave? Shouldn't it be fucking shiny? Where are the fucking, like, glow sticks? I understand this is during the day, but aren't there lights? And isn't there, like, Molly being passed around or something like that? All this rave has for it is booze. And boobs. Okay. I'm kind of okay with that. You know, don't necessarily need the other, you know, rave aspects. But where's the guy in the fucking, like, bear costume? Where's the chick in just, you know, the tight short shorts and the pacifier in her mouth? You do have the one Asian girl that's dressed up in the red, white, and blue leotard. But, eh, honestly, I'm not that into that. Uh, but we do see this girl, they go over to the beach, and she tells the guy that, hey, let's go ahead and get in the water. He's all psyched to go, and as she begins stripping down just to her thong to get into the water, which, okay, I'm, I'm okay with this part of the movie, uh, he starts walking after he's stripped down wearing boxers that look exactly like what he's wearing on the shirt, and as he gets in the water, it's too cold for him, and he doesn't want to go hang out with the hot girl in the water, because little baby on the shore can't handle the coldness of the water, but she can. Come on, really? You're gonna give that up? You're gonna be like, no, you know what, I'm just gonna wait here like a fucking idiot, while you go swim naked in the water, where we could be doing stuff in the water, up to an extent, because I don't know how well you fucking float, but... Not fucking float, but fuck and float. But instead, I'm just gonna wait here on the shore until you come back. Like, what What a fucking pussy, man. Just fucking bite the bullet. Get in the fucking water. There's a weird camera shot that's kind of looking on them from the outside, possibly symbolizing somebody looking at them while she's trying to skinny dip, and he's too pussy to get in the fucking water with her. We go back over into the ocean, and there's a little short scene where we see Greg get sick while he's on the boat and puke all over Cynthia. And it's meant to be funny, but I'm just kind of like, eh, okay, whatever. We go then back over to the shore where we see Pussy Boy sitting on the shore, watching her out and swim in the ocean. We get a couple of weird shots from underneath the water, uh, looking at her boobs and looking at her thong. Uh, and it kind of is just an odd situation that's going on there. But then all of a sudden, it's fucking bubbles, man. There's bubbles everywhere around her, and she starts getting all weird. Oh my god, are the bubbles gonna come and get her? What are they gonna do? It's fucking bubble mania down there! Meanwhile, back on the shore... There's some other type of weird movement that's going on, and we see something approach the guy that's been laying down on the beach. Back in the water, there's more fucking bubbles going everywhere, until they finally die down. She turns around, and she calls out to whoever it was on the beach, and he's no longer there, as she gets out of the water, and she's just dripping, soaking wet, still wearing just her thong. She starts to walk towards the forest, and then we cut back over to the ocean, well... Yeah, I guess you can call it the ocean since it's off the shore of Seattle. I mean, it could be a lake. I don't fucking know. I'm going to consider it to be just the ocean that they're going through. And she's downstairs in the kitchen of the boat trying to clean her shirt. And that's when Clint Howard suddenly approaches her and scares her while she's topless. Did you get a real good peek there, Perfect. I want to 
give this to you. What's this for? It's for your protection. It's okay, I'm on the pill. It'll ward off evil spirits. It'll protect you and your friends from harm. Whatever, Gandalf. Gandalf? Don't you mean fucking Gollum? I mean, he doesn't really look like Gandalf, and he's really fucking short compared to you. It'd be better just to call him Gollum, and he's giving you the one fucking ring to keep you safe. But no, instead he's Gandalf giving you a cross, and I don't think Gandalf believes in that religion at all. And the fact, this is, would be not even Gandalf the Grey, this would be Gandalf the Ugly, right? This guy, I'm sorry, Clint, but yeah, and we're on first name basis, you know, we're legal best friends after I had to sit through this fucking movie. But Clint... You're not the most attractive-looking guy in the world, and that's okay. There's somebody out there for everybody, but you really shouldn't walk on on anybody that's topless. But at the same time, she didn't try to put a shirt back on or anything. She just stood there with her boobs facing you, and you did a pretty good job of just doing the straight-on look right into her eyes. You're not looking into the other eyes that are below her, and you're very nice in giving her a cross that's possibly going to protect her. She just leaves the cross on the counter, and then we go back over to the island to see what's going on with Raver Girl. Raver Girl, she's traveling through the forest, and there's this stupid scene where they put the hand on the tree. It's another one of those fucking horror tropes that they do in a lot of these stupid movies when somebody's being chased, and you see somebody from a distance, and there goes the hand, and it's supposed to shock you. And sometimes it does. It really does work. It's worked in movies like Friday the 13th, uh, you know, uh any of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Hell, it's worked in, I think The Descent does it at some point. But in this movie, it's just fucking stupid because the makeup looks fucking horrible. That is one of the major gripes I have for the undead people, but we'll get to that when they actually show up. So she finds this random ancient, like, house built in the middle of nowhere on this island, and she enters inside, and of course, she gets attacked by the monsters on the inside. But you know what's the really weird thing about this? How did she get dressed so goddamn fast? Because, I mean, I know there was some time in between Clint doing the peeping Tom thing on Cynthia over here, but that could have been happening at the same time as she was walking into the forest. She literally goes from that scene to them walking there, and she's fully fucking dressed. But as she looked like she was walking towards the forest, she wasn't trying to put any clothes on, and on the beach, there weren't any fucking clothes. There was nothing there. She just came out of the fucking water. And I don't really want to call it a beach. It's a shore. There really isn't any sand. It's all just fucking rocks. So her feet must be fucking torn up from that shit. Because she didn't even have any shoes that she took off when she got there. So somehow, between getting out of the water naked, well, with a thong, and then getting into the forest, she magically put on shoes, socks, uh, track pants, a track shirt, and a bra, and... I'm to believe that was all done just in that short little time when there's still monsters looking in on her. Like, they were going to wait. Oh, we're going to kill you, but we're going to be fucking modest about it. I at least want you to have your clothes on before I decide to fucking tear you apart, right? Find our fucking lab or base or wherever the fuck it is that we come from first. I'm going to give you that. I'm going to kill the guy on the shore because, you know what, he's a fucking pussy to not go into the water while you're fucking naked. And if he had just gone in, maybe would have given the same courtesy. In fact... You could have given him a pity lay, and we would have been okay with that. Because, you know what, that's an easier way to kill you. You you guys have sex, and then everything, you know, we, we're going to go by those tropes. We're not going to kill you while you're naked. We're at least, 
you know, decently moral zombies, right? So, so she dies over there in that fucking building or wherever the hell it is that just happens to be in the middle of wherever they're looking for. And then we go back over to the people on the boat. We see that Casper also has been chasing Victor in his boat because, of course, you know, he ran away from the dock when she was trying to do inspections on it. There are weird little scenes where you see, like, the police boat, and they're all ADR'd over. So you don't ever go onto the boat and see him. It's just like, maybe he flew over a helicopter, saw a police boat going in the water, and was like, shit, I better take this footage as I can get it right now because this is the only chance that I'm ever going to fucking get to do it. And then just had the character actress, like, fucking do the ADR over it. And it's kind of awkward ADR. There's a lot of that in this movie. Where it's people saying stuff where it doesn't really seem like it fits that well. But it's done, right? Just to give us a little extra piece of dialogue. Back on the shore, we see the kids now. They're all going to go start towards the rave. Meanwhile, Captain Kirk and Clint, they're going to start unloading everything that's on the boat. Clint kind of hears something weird inside of the woods, and he's not sure exactly what's going on, but he thinks that a storm is possibly coming, and that causes Captain Kirk basically to change how they're going to do their plans from what originally was going to go on. Captain! Captain! Seems like a storm's coming up. Maybe so. But that's all right. Keeps Casper off our ass if she tries coming after us while we blow on out of here. What about the kids? We can't leave them alone. This is a bad island. I ain't waiting around for him. Not if you have a chance to slip back past Casper. You better keep unloading. All right, Captain. Fine. Then we'll come back next week when the heat is off, huh? Okay, there's one thing that I forgot to mention that I can't believe I skipped over this. First, we're going to talk about what's going on here because there are sounds and it sounds like there's sounds of thunder going on and then he doesn't hear anything that's going to happen with the rain or whatever is going to come. He points, you know, sticks his finger in his mouth and points it up in the air and that's how he's able to tell, oh yeah, I guess the storm is coming. Like, hearing thunder in the distance doesn't mean fucking shit. And then the other thing is the weird editing that's going to go on. And it's going to keep happening. And then I'm not sure I saw it right the first time I saw it, right? But then it does start to happen more and more as the movie goes on. And that, of course, is editing clips of the game into the fucking movie. Like, as transition pieces. Like, when Naked Girl... Uh, well, I don't know what her name is in this film. She could have been Flashing Girl. That was one of the characters in the film. She's definitely not Flashing Girl. She's probably Raver Chick, because Flashing Girl happens in one of the fucking, like, video clips that going on. And really, how do you say that to your parents? You know, hey, I'm in a movie. I'm in this movie called House of the Dead. Yeah, I know it's probably going to be bad. It's a cheesy horror film. But I get my first fucking role in the movie, man. Oh, great. What What is your role? Um, uh, uh, I'm playing Flashing Girl. Wait, like, number one? Number two? No, 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 it's good. I'm actually just going to be Flashing Girl. There's not going to be another Flashing Girl in the movie. So there isn't going to be Flashing Girl 1 or Flashing Girl 2. I'm just going to be Flashing Girl. Isn't that great? Do you, do you have any lines of... Do- no, I just fucking show my tits. Man, this you guys have never fucking supported me. This is how I'm going to get into the fucking industry. I'm just going to be Flashing Girl from here on out. And so that's the tale of Flashing Girl and how she shows up in every one of these movies where you need to see a pair of tits for no known reason. Anyway, 
She might be doing the Lord's work. I don't know. It's possibly that she's not. So, but anyway, when we see her die, like, before it happens, she gets there. It shows clips of the the game, like, spliced in between a couple of scenes. And the first time, it's so quick, I thought I was imagining things. Then it happens again about two minutes later. And then it happens again multiple times. And it is the dumbest thing I have ever fucking seen. And I know that's the big thing about this movie that people just don't understand why that choice was done for this film. To me, it makes no sense either. Why are you going to put little things of the game? Like, it would make sense if it was transition pieces. Maybe you do it, but you'd have to do it all the time. Kind of like how in Star Wars, there's a specific wipe that gets used almost every time, but it's used constantly, or those specific style of wipes are constantly used in the film, right? Now it's just become part of your your seeing of Star Wars. Whenever you see a Star Wars movie, you, you, know, you know that those are, quote-unquote, what I'd call Star Wars wipes, right? And so with this, it would be fine if every single transition in the film, whenever you did a transition, you showed a clip from the game maybe that has something to do with what's going on and he does do that every once in a while but not every fucking time like if they just start popping up fucking randomly it's so fucking annoying and it's just ridiculous that they're even in this fucking film like you could maybe do your own or do something different i don't know but it just takes away from the rest of the fucking movie so Kirk, he then tells Clint, hey, make sure that you get the other stuff off the boat because, you know, we're going to leave and leave the kids behind and then maybe be back tomorrow morning. I mean, which makes sense. You don't want to wait all night. The rave, everybody's going to go into tents. They're all going to probably fuck. And then you don't want to be sitting on the boat and then have whoever this Casper person is come over, find you, and then find the stuff that you're dumping off into the woods right there by you when you're fucking just waiting for the kids to show up once again. So we go over and we see now that the rave camp is completely empty and that the kids have now arrived. Where is everyone? Oh, I can't believe this. It's their box. We have this entire place to ourselves to dance it out of way and I intend to put it to good use. <laughs> I'm not so sure that's a good idea. Yeah, you wouldn't say that. Do you mind if everybody isn't miserable like you? Yeah, you know what? I remember when she used to be fun. <laughs> when was that? Kindergarten? <laughs> That's funny. You're funny. <laughs> I think something bad's happened here. <laughs> like what? Well, you see, everything is fucking torn to shreds, including, like, people's clothes are on the ground, covered in blood. Ooh, what could have possibly happened bad over here? Why, there's bloody fucking clothes on the ground, and you're not fucking flinching? Like, ooh, there's something bad that could have happened here. <laughs> and it's not, okay, Mickey Mouse? There's nothing bad that's fucking happened over here. Because, hey, there's nobody here. And if there's nobody here, nothing bad could have fucking happened, right? Wrong. Look, signs put down. The fucking tents are empty. There's no music going on. But at least Greg and Simon, they were able to find the fucking beer. We then go back over to Clint, who's now bringing stuff into the forest. And he begins to hear more noises that go on. We go back over to the rave and we see that Alicia, she wants to go out and check and see what's happened. Because, of course, she's not convinced that everything is all (laughs) hunky-dory. Look, I don't know about you, but I'm going to go see if I can find out where everyone went. So you think we should... Okay? 
Is anyone else coming? Oh, hell no. Me and Sin are gonna groove to some funky tunes all night long. Right, baby doll? You know to Okay, you know what? I'm coming with you. I'm starting to get diabetes from all the sugar, sugar over here. Oh. What about you, Studley Doodle? Three's not company in this case. I think I'll join you. <gasps> Good. We need a big, strong man to protect us. The problem is there's never a big, strong man around when you need one. Okay, ha ha ha. I haven't heard that joke before a million fucking times. Simon, why are you even into this chick? All she's doing is footing you fucking down. But maybe you're that type of guy that likes to be, like, you know, have his crotch stepped on or something. And her fucking demeaning you right there is a-okay. So you're going to go ahead and deal with it and just hope that one day that she notices you, senpai. And so that, you know, you can get in on that action with her or whatever it is that's going on. Meanwhile, Greg and Cynthia, they're basically ready just to start fucking on the stage. And they almost do, except for they find a tent, and they start going at it. There's a stupid joke about him, like, pre-ejaculating or something like that. and But he ends up having to pee, so he leaves the tent. And, of course, one of these two is possibly going to be the next one to die. Meanwhile, we check in with Captain Kirk, who's on the boat, and we're left to assume that, you know... Clint has probably died because there were noises in the forest and it sounded like they were converging on him. But he's out there on the boat, kind of wondering where Clint is, lights up a stogie, and then we cut back over to the two girls along with Simon. They come across the ruin from earlier, and of course, Alicia, she wants to take a look further, but at the same time, you know, Kara, she's got a good point about not going in there. Wow, you get a load of that. What the hell is it? Uh, looks like it was built a millennia ago. Simon, it's centuries. Right, well, that's what I meant. Should we go in? I am not going in there. Uh, yeah, unless there's a spot in a 24-hour room service, you're on your own, hon. Well, are you coming, or am I going in myself? Didn't you ever watch Scooby-Doo? This is so not a good idea. Okay, Really? Uh, when he says millennia, do you know what millennia mean? And then you're like, no, it was centuries. But I can kind of guess it. Like, get your point a little bit, Alicia. But, you know, you don't have to be kind of a dick to him. You know, he could have been built a millennia ago. It could have been a thousand years ago that it actually happened. But centuries, how many centuries? One century, two century, three century. If it was maybe built 500 years ago, centuries, okay, I get it. But it could have been built longer than that. You don't fucking know. You don't know how long people have been on this island doing whatever the fuck was going on. You don't have to be a bitch. And then at the same time, you know what? Let's go and look at this place where somehow all the torches are lit, yet nothing else has been, like, all the electricity and everything else. Well, that's still going at the rave site, but there's no one there. Why would you just go over to this random, eerie-ass fucking ancient ruins that was built centuries ago and, and just, like, not be like, you know what? Maybe it's time for us just to get the fuck out of here. And that's what Scooby-Doo and fucking Shaggy would do, right? They never wanted to stick around. They were the fucking smart ones. It was always Fred and his fucking ascot that got them into all that goddamn trouble. And then Velma, too, because Velma was just like, I'm really interested in going. Daphne, she was almost on the Scooby, you know, like, in Shaggy side. But those two, 
They had the right idea every time. Let's just get the fuck out of here and not deal with this bullshit, okay? Fred, if you want to get fucking killed, you can get fucking killed and nobody will care. So, of course, they decide to go over the house. And as they enter, they're almost attacked by Rudy and a couple of the other quote-unquote survivors that have escaped the massacre that happened during the rave. And... What we have here is the girl, the Asian girl that was dressed up in the red and white and blue leotard. We have a guy that's been taking video. And then we have Rudy here, who was the lover of Alicia earlier on. And so they want to know exactly what's gone down. And the guy uh, that is the videographer, he actually has what happened on video. And first it starts off with, oh, hey, there's Flashing Girl. I remember her from such movies as uh, Flash My Tits 1 and Flash My Tits 2. Meanwhile, now she's in House of the Dead. So she shows up on camera flashing her boobs. And then, of course, everything with the zombies goes down. Everyone was partying, you know, drinking and dancing and just hanging out, having fun. And then these things came and they attacked the wraith, started killing everybody. Those of us that could get away did. We ran. We finally got to the boat, but it wasn't there. These things, they just kept coming and coming and killing. We finally found this house. We ran inside and tried to hide, and that's when you guys came. We thought you were more of them. Them? Who the hell is them? Who? Try what? What? Rudy, they were dead people. Okay, guys, you saw the tape. You may not want to believe it, but those were reanimated corpses, just like out of a fucking Romero movie. A what? A Romero movie, you know, like the Holy Trilogy, Night, Dawn, and Day. They say he's gonna make Twilight of the Dead one day, but I kind of doubt it, you know. Okay, I find this all a little hard to believe. It was a stunt. It was part of the rave. It wasn't a stunt, Alicia. You know what? Simon says let's get the hell out of here and let the cops ask questions later while we're kicking it back in Seattle selling our story to the Inquirer. Sounds great. You got a boat? Yeah, it's down at the beach. Thank God. Then let's not waste any more time yakking. Let's just go. We can't. We still have friends back at the rave. We're not going to leave them. No, no, no. We got to get out of here while we still can. We're not leaving without them. Okay. Let's go. So we cut back over to the camp, and we see that Cynthia is still waiting for Greg to get back, which leads me to believe that Greg is fucking dead. And so she gets surrounded by other undead, and Cynthia, technically on screen, is the first one to go. Cutting back over to the crew, now that they're walking back to the camp to see what's going on with Cynthia and Greg, we get this scene that doesn't seem like it even fucking belongs in this movie. So, you came with that girl? What? Let me just give you a tip. I don't think she's a natural red, white, and blue. Met her at the rave. So, uh, who's your boy over there with the Tom Cruise smile and the Rain Man brain? He just so happens to be the biggest underwear model in America, if you must know. Oh, congratulations. That's great. You okay, Simon? Sure. Okay, what the fuck? Was she implying that the uh, Asian girl that's wearing the red, white, and blue leotard was not legally here or born in America when she said she doesn't look natural red, white, and blue? Like, that's obviously what she's saying there, right? Like, I didn't misread that. It's pretty fucked up, if you ask me. At the same time, why is she getting fucking jealous? Because he wasn't too interested in her fucking fencing, and he wanted to study? Like, he wanted to better himself. What type of fucking career are you going to get by just fucking focusing on your fencing? Like, that doesn't make any sense. He's studying to possibly, I don't know, do whatever the fuck he's going to do. Of course, he could be fucking studying underwater basket weaving or something like that. And... 
who knows? Maybe there's going to be a field where he's going to need to do that later on. But at least he's trying to make himself better, right? Fencing, maybe you get in the Olympics. And then what? What what else is good is fencing. But anyway, you're the one that supposedly broke up with him, so why are you jealous because he's hanging out with some random Asian girl who you don't even fucking know and doesn't even look like they were doing anything? Because even he said earlier in the film that he was having a hard time adjusting to being Seagull and he didn't really know what to do with the single life. Okay? So he's obviously not with this girl. She's just there as movie eye candy, I guess. But again, not very eye candy-ish to me. They get back over to the camp and they can't seem to find any type of trace of Cynthia or Greg. They call out to every to both of them and neither of them respond to their calls. They do see a porta potty that's been tipped over and when they to put it in a way that a person inside could get out, all of a sudden, guess who pops out of the porta potty? Ah, ah, oh, dude, what the fuck happened to you? I was in there and then all of a sudden the freaking the banging and then the freaking thing fell over and I was stuck inside. <laughs> shit, and fall. Go. You're in deep shit, huh? It's very funny. <laughs> who are you? Who's <laughs> shit. I don't know, bro. You tell me. We gotta go find her. Okay, so one, that's kind of funny. The whole, you're in deep shit. That's, that actually is pretty funny. And then the second thing, these undead people are fucking dicks, man. Like, they they pulled the biggest prank on anybody while they're in a porta potty and just knocked it so that, ugh, all that sludge just poured all over them and then just left them there. They didn't have the common decency to go in there and be like, hey, we fucked you, now we're just going to kill you. But maybe because he's covered in shit, they just decided, you know what, this is not the best time to eat his brains. We're going to leave him for a bit to maybe the smell kind of goes down, but we're going to go kill Cynthia first. And so while they're looking for Cynthia... Well, she does show up, and she kills the camera guy almost immediately. She grabs him and twists his head all the way around. And ultimately, Casper comes in to save the day and shoot Cynthia right in the head. What the hell was that thing? Our best friend. Not anymore. She's like a wild animal. Did you see her face? Oh, my God. It's horrible. What happened to her? Everybody hold on a minute. Maybe I can get us some answers. MacGyver's, come in. This is Casper. Come in. Over. It's odd I'm not getting anything on the radio. Anyone? Have a cell phone. Yeah, we already tried. It's not working. There's some sort of interference. Look, I don't know what's going on here, okay? What I do know is that I've got to get you all off this island. How did you get here? On um, a boat, like everyone else, but it's gone. It's, it's been destroyed. We didn't. We came in the Lazarus with Kirk. Where is he? He's in the inlet down on the beach. Can you take me to him? Are you going to arrest him? Not at the moment. Right now, I just want to get you all as far away from here as possible. Sounds like a plan to me. Now, is it just me, or does she talk really fucking fast? Like, she's trying to get through her lines as fast as fucking possible. Like, I don't even want to be in this movie anymore. I'm just going to fucking say everything as quickly as possible so that these shoots can be done because, man, this is fucking bullshit. We go back over to Kirk, and we see now that he's fighting off zombies that are coming onto the ship. He's shooting them, they keep coming, and it's kind of boring, to be honest with you. And then we catch up with the group as they come over to the ship. Uh, Simon runs towards the ship because he wants to get on there. He jumps in the water like a fucking moron, and then the zombies start swimming after him. Like, 
okay, he ends up swimming out sort of towards the boat, but then turns around because all the zombies are coming after him instead. Uh, Liberty, or whatever the fuck her name is, the, the Asian lady, starts running out there into the water with a knife. And what... Like, it makes no fucking sense to me, like, why all of a sudden you would start running after Simon. Like, you want to go help him, but that knife ain't gonna do shit. She ends up having to tussle with some fucking zombies, so for her, running out there was fucking stupid as it was. Simon starts getting away from the zombies, but that comes with help from Captain Kirk, who somehow has, like, a long-range rifle slash automatic rifle or semi-automatic rifle. I don't know which one it fucking is. But he's able to take a couple of pegs and take some of the zombies out by the head. He also helps Liberty, the Asian lady, escape as well, who, of course, you know, like I said, is a dumbass for even going out there and getting caught up by the zombies. Eventually, he does come back. Casper also, she has her guns, uh, and she's shooting off some of the zombies that have been coming after them as well. Captain Kirk, he does get bit on the hand, well, or the arm, I should say, by one of the zombies. And then, it's really weird, the one that attacks him, he ends up shooting him in the head after he gets the zombie into a fucking headlock. So the zombie bites him, he gets him into a headlock, and when he shoots the zombie, it's not the same fucking zombie that fucking was attacking him in the first place. They look completely fucking different. You can obviously tell that there's one that they used here, and this is the one that has the effect, so the blood comes out the top of the head when he shoots him in the fucking head. And he looks like he's shooting himself in the fucking rib is what he looks like he's doing too at the same time. But you know what? That's just the continuity that this film has. All these zombies look terrible. They look like they're fucking rubber masks. Like, you know when you go and you see a zombie flick? Let's take Romero. Since his name was said in vain in this fucking movie, why they ever let them say his fucking name out of that fucking mouth, not the actor. The actor can do what he wants, but to be said in this fucking movie is blasphemous, man. You don't fucking talk about Romero when you're a zombie movie. Your zombies don't even look like zombies. They look like fucking just plastic masks with some fucking dirt on them it it just looks horrible like but again i'm I'm saying with romero zombies romero didn't have a budget but the makeup that was used to make the zombies i mean they looked kind of human kind of not there were some well done for the time makeup effects for those which is way better than what you see here it makes no even a show like The Walking Dead, okay? And I know this is much what after, you know, that this movie came out, but even when they started, the budget wasn't the same as this show was. Okay. Some of the technology was probably better now, but you know, of course, TV budgets have never looked and and the TV use of CGI and stuff like that has never looked as good as the movies do, right? They use all their things because these have to be these grand epics that you see. But still, what you see even in the makeup department for somebody that is just an extra on a show, you see here, it looks so bad. It just... It's terrible. It's not even laughably terrible. It's terrible, terrible. Like, why? Why would you spend your time even fucking making that? Like, where did your $5 million budget go? Was it for the couple of, like, on-site shoots that you did? Was that it? Because most of everything else was done on a fucking soundstage that was just in fucking darkness so that you can get away with the fact that it was in a fucking soundstage. Oh, 
I hate this fucking movie so much. It makes me want to just... Uh. Anyway, one of the zombies, uh, he does go and spit something out at Simon and burns a part of his face with acid. So I guess these zombies can spit acid too at the same time. So we've got like xenomorph zombies. You know, he killed him and then instead as, you know, his last dying thing, he spit acid at him and fucking got a little, not even a hole in his face, just a little like wrinkles. It gave him wrinkles. It made him look a little older than he actually is. So they all gather together and they wonder what exactly they're going to do next. And of course, Casper, she wants to go back to her boat, get supplies, maybe... If she could go get supplies from that boat, maybe she could bring the boat around this way so they can get off the fucking island. But instead, no, she decides, hey, I'm going to take Greg with me and we're going to go and get what we need from my my stuff. I've got to get back to the patrol boat. I can get on the radio and get us some help. Wait, 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 wait. Is this going to leave us here? Are you looking stuff. for the cavalry? No, you're coming with me. Me? Why me? Are you a doctor? No. Are you wounded? No. Can you use a gun? Well, I, I can. That's why you. The boat should be a mile or so up the beach. We'll climb aboard and come back for help. Understood? Come on. Greg, my name's Greg. Come on, Greg! So Miss Target Logo takes Greg and they go off to find her boat so they can radio for help. Even though, you know, radios haven't worked, her walkie-talkie didn't work, cell phone signals don't work, nothing fucking works on this island for some reason, and you have a patrol boat that everybody could just get fucking on the boat? Like, do you think your boat's been overrun? Is that the reason why you're not gonna fucking use it? Why doesn't everybody just go with you, go to your boat, get the fuck off the island, and be done with this fucking movie? But no, you're only gonna take Greg with you, and you're gonna only go get... Like, radio for help and get supplies and then come back. It makes no fucking sense. Just everybody get on the fucking boat and get out of there. So, now we get to learn a little bit. (laughs) And this is 40 minutes into the movie, okay? We're going to learn a little bit of the antagonist of this movie, who happens to be some random Spanish guy. Okay, what the hell were those things? I don't know. But what I do know now is why they call this island Isla del Muerte. There must be some kind of scientific Greg? explanation for this. Oh, 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 Liberty's right. There gotta be some kind of mutation. Yeah, from what? The shrinking ozone? What, two little sunscreen? Rudy, give me a break. These are zombies, pure and simple. The sooner we accept it and deal with it, the better chance we have of getting out of here alive. Captain, your first mate seemed to know something about this island. What was it? Nothing but old wife's tale. Like The Walking Dead? Well, best I reckon the story goes, there was once some crazy Spanish padre who was banished from Spain hundreds of years ago. His name was Castillo Sarman. Okay, so now there's some random Spanish priests that we need to know about? Like, how the hell did this all of a sudden get into the film? I get it. You guys are realizing that, hey, it's the undead. Uh, We have to believe in the undead now because we've actually seen these things here. But now we're going to learn about this tale about the Spanish Padre. And we're going to have a whole cutscene about the whole thing. Does it really need to be in here? Like, we haven't heard anything else about this before other than it being fucking tales. But, of course, we're going to get this little thing where we can have, you know... This Spanish guy, non sequitur. Come closer, Captain. I cannot see your face. 
Are you afraid, Captain? You know why I was banished from Spain? Your experiments are not of God. God? What has God done for you or for me? Nothing. There is no God. There is only me. May he have mercy on your soul. Okay, so Padre here, who doesn't believe in God now for some fucking reason, why the fuck call him Padre if he's all of a sudden going to fucking renounce his faith or some shit like that? He's been captured inside this boat, and we're going to just watch him fucking kill a guy. Like, why couldn't we just get the story of this guy without having to be shown this scene? Like, it makes no fucking sense why you have this little bit in between. Okay, so he goes and he talks to the guy. Then he kills the guy. What does that fucking prove to us? It proves to us fucking nothing. When the fact is that as soon as that little thing's done, we get to hear about this some sort of Spanish guy some more. The Spanish were trying from falling the sands into the limes. They never made it to the garrison. They say he murdered the crew of the San Cristobal enslaved the natives of this island and killed whoever came here ever since. Some say he still does. Sorry I asked. You ask me, it's just a bunch of smugglers and cutthroats looking for ways to scare people off. Well, you would know, wouldn't you? What can I say? They're doing a hell of a job, ain't they? See, did you need that shit in the middle? All you needed was what was there at the beginning and what was there at the end. There is no giant long explanation of what was going on. All you got is that there used to be the Spanish guy, and the Spanish guy killed all these people, and then, you know, he keeps the people on this island and supposedly he's still doing everything there. There, done. I'm done within about 10 seconds. I've told the whole fucking story of this Spanish guy. But no... What we get is like three minutes of, well, it's probably more like two, to be honest with you. But we get an explanation in the beginning. Then we watch the one and a half, two minute thing of him killing the captain of the ship. Why don't we just get the voiceover at the same fucking time? Why do we have to go through that whole little non sequitur of dialogue of them? Oh, you're going to get it. Oh, no, I don't believe in God anymore. He doesn't do anything for me. I'm going to make sure you die. Oh, hey, I've killed you. And then we go back over to Captain Kirk, and he explains the rest of the fucking thing. Why? Why do we fucking need this in the middle? It makes no fucking sense. Why do we even have this in this fucking movie? Um, Okay. From there, after we get to learn about this Spanish dude, we see Casper and... Greg running through the woods and all of a sudden now we've got like fucking fast silent zombies chasing after them or the dead or whatever the fuck you want to call them I don't care you just call them what the fuck you want like these little fucking monkey wannabe motherfuckers that are running through the woods after them anyway Greg's got a fucking backpack on for some reason now he didn't leave with the fucking backpack he hasn't been carrying the fucking backpack but now all of a sudden he's got a fucking backpack and he's able to fire a fucking handgun Does he know actually how to shoot the fucking guns? We're just assuming that he knows how to shoot the guns. But who knows? Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. But there's a chase scene. And we see Casper fight off the zombies. But we see Greg, who is able to kill a couple by shooting them in the head, but ultimately runs away. And then we get two Lord of the Rings references in this movie. Okay? Two. 
we get one, we can say one's book, because we're just going to say Gandalf. It, it could be movie or book, whatever it is. But we get the blatant rip-off scene from Fellowship of the Ring, where the hobbits are being chased by the ring wraiths. And you know the scene that I am talking about, where they jump over the logs and they hide down below, and the ring wraith comes over the top of them and tries to smell them out. And they end up hiding and getting away. Same fucking scene. Greg is running from the zombies. He jumps down below a tree with a little bit of like the roots and branches above him. And the zombie comes over. And he looks around and he can't see him. Can't smell him. Doesn't know he's there. And then he runs away. Like, really? 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 You you decided to lift that fucking scene from Peter Jackson? Like, that's your homage in this film? Like, you could have done anything else. If I was going to fucking rip off Peter Jackson for this film, maybe not rip off, do an homage to Peter Jackson, I'd fucking steal a scene from Brain Dead. Okay? You're doing fucking zombies, and instead you're going to steal a scene from the Lord of the fucking Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring? Full title, okay? Full fucking title. And that's the way that you're going to do this? Like, it's so dumb. And then even then, Greg gets up, and he snaps a branch, and he's fucking caught anyway. And then he gets killed by the zombies, and then the next dumbest fucking thing happens next to, next to the video game clips. He dies like he's in a fucking video game. The camera swirls around him and goes red. What? Nobody else has died like this. We have seen other people die in this movie. And nobody has died like this yet. Only Greg. And you know what? This happens again a couple more times. And then never happens again. I thought, okay, fine. Main characters. Main characters that we know and that we've been described of get this. So Simon should get one. And fucking, if uh, Kara, Karma, Kara, whatever the fuck her name is, she gets one if she dies. Uh, fucking Alicia, since I know that she's going to die because we were in told. Wait, wait. Cynthia didn't get one. And Cynthia's a main character. So, But she got turned into a zombie. What? What? So why does it happen at this point? It's because of all the fucking action scenes that are coming up? I don't fucking get it. I don't fucking know. It is so ridiculously stupid. And you know what else kills me about this fucking scene? Is the fact that Casper is barely fucking moving. Like, Greg is being chased by every fucking zombie in the fucking area at this point in the film. Casper is being attacked by zombies, but she's moving like two steps and shooting and having an excellent fucking range. And she's able to get away from all the fucking zombies, but he's running away like crazy and he still manages to get fucking killed. And she doesn't even get fucking swarmed. Like, she's barely doing anything and barely fucking helping Greg and calling after him, but he fucking gets swarmed by everybody. And she gets away fucking scot-free. I just... So, we go back over to the group, and they begin discussing exactly how they're going to get off this island. We can't stay out here like this. We're too vulnerable. I know, but we can't leave until Greg and Casper get back. We gotta get back on that boat, but there's no way I'm going in that water. We can't go anywhere now. It's too far. Besides, we don't know what's still on that boat. What about that house? 
defensible without shelter. Okay, it's a good idea. We make a run for it as soon as they get back. Yeah, what if they don't come back? What then? They'll come back. Yeah, but what if they don't? What are we gonna do? We, we don't have any weapons or food. I mean, we don't have shit. Actually, we do. And now it's RPG time. Seriously, like, Kirk goes over and he pulls out a one of his, like, shipping containers. Where on the top it's got cigars. And of course, underneath it, it has all the guns that you could possibly fucking need. And so they basically lift it off, and they start, like, handing out each other guns. Casper does show up, and she has a bag of supplies, and she informs everybody that Greg is dead, and agrees that they need to get over the house. Then we spend another couple minutes with them just basically sitting there and handing each other fucking weapons. Like, you take the shotgun, you've got it equipped. You get the rifle, you get the desert eagle, you get the the other the revolver and all this stuff. And then we get ready for the longest action sequence and the dumbest action sequence in the entire fucking movie. Now, you guys should see this scene. It starts about 49 minutes in and it lasts for almost five minutes. It goes until, uh, at least within my notes, I think 5430 when they finally say something. It starts about the 49 minute mark. Now... I am going to try, I can't guarantee it, but I'm going to try to post it up on the Facebook page. Uh, I'll see if I can cut it and filter it in a way so that everybody can see it, because I think you should see this sequence, because it's dumb. It's really fucking dumb. I mean, you got people that are just flying everywhere, you get, uh, you know, this, <laughs> the fact that before he goes... Uh, Captain Kirk says that the sword is the best weapon after they've equipped everything. No, that's the last minute weapon. Unless it's like the golden sword or something like that. You know, like the golden gun and golden eye. Uh, that's gonna one shot every fucking zombie you touch with it. It is not the best thing because you have to be in close range combat with every fucking zombie that you fight. So, there's a lot of like, quote unquote, matrix spinning in this scene there are weird angles where they jump and the they shoot the bullets and then the bullet breaks up you know casper shoots a a shotgun shell and the shell opens up and then all the little small pellets come out and hit the zombie there are times where they throw the dagger there's constantly these random like dodging and slow-mo fucking things there's like constant swirls over the place whenever they attack somebody You know, Liberty goes to give one of them a kick, and it swirls around as the kick is coming down. There's so many weapons that they've got. There are grenades that are thrown in nowhere. There's one that's thrown into a fucking well for no unknown reason. Why do you throw it into a well and not into the group of zombies that's over in the fucking corner? I don't understand why you would do that. But instead, no, throw it down the well so it can explode just that little area around the well. (laughs) It makes no sense. And... Like, there's, like, seems like somebody has super bullets as well. It just goes on for way too fucking longs. It, it, there's a House of the Dead, like, rap that goes over, or, or, like, that rock rap type stuff that was very popular in the 2000s, uh, early 2000s, I should say, uh, and late 90s as well, but more around that time. But, like, that's going on. And, you know, it's like the house of the dead. It's a house of the dead. Like, it's literally that. Like, that's what's going on. And the sequence outruns the song. They play the full 
fucking song for the whole sequence that we're going through and it fucking runs out so they have to play more like orchestrated or not orchestrated but like electronica music at this point like what like you can't you make this song and you can't make the song that's very fucking repetitive by the way that gets stuck in your head and you're just sitting there late at night and you're like in the house of the dead and you're like no get the fuck out of nobody it's a house of the dead get the fuck out of my head <sighs> okay okay i think this movie seriously is gonna give me like ptsd or some shit like that like it's just so terrible and it's like three minutes and 49 seconds terrible and then you get the rest of it until you get to the point where you get one point of dialogue where they're talking about how they can't get inside but they don't want to blow up the door blow the door but if I do there won't be anything left to keep them out And then we get to see Rudy see Liberty get killed. She gets swarmed by zombies. And then all of a sudden, we get flashback for fucking Liberty. That's right. We go through from the first time that he met her all the way up to the point that she died in like two times speed. What? Why? And then she gets the fucking circling treatment. Like, she's not a main fucking character either, but okay, you're going to give this to her because she died? Whatever. You know what? I'm just throwing all the fucking rules out of here right fucking now. Whoever gets that fucking animation or where the fuck it is, I don't know. But why do we also have to go through the entire movie that we've seen her? Were you like fucking her away is that that why she's fucking getting all this fucking praise right now because it's not her fucking acting it's not the role in the fucking film it makes no sense why she gets this special treatment that nobody else does in fact the only person that should get that and rudy's fucking eyes is when alicia fucking dies not when this fucking red and white and blue stripe where motherfucker gets killed off So, eventually, they find that there's a way to get inside the house after they've done the whole fight that's going on here. And Casper sees that there's a window that they can crawl through. They just need to get it open. But, of course, as they get it over and she tries to get in the window, Rudy manages to get in there first. He's trying to pull her in. She gets caught by the zombies. And then I'm assuming she gets... Well, they say that she gets ripped in half later in the film, but at this point, it's kind of like she just gets maybe her legs damaged or bitten or something like that, but she does manage to die and become, well, I guess a friendly ghost now. Casper, look at me. Casper, look at me. I need you to look at me, okay? Look at me. Look at me. You saved us, okay? You saved us. So he runs over to the front, and he lets everybody in, and, uh, you know, Captain Kirk also gets damaged as well. He gets bitten on the leg, but they manage to get the zombies off of him before he's able to get his legs torn off and die as well. They put him on the table, and then everybody that's left, Kirk, Karma, uh, Simon, and Rudy, and Alicia, all kind of gather together to see if they can help Kirk. Of course, Simon, he now feels like he's the elephant man for some reason. Yet, all these people have fucking died. You have your life, you fucking asshole. And he goes off and runs off into the corner. 
Rudy also runs off to a different part of the house, and Kara, she falls after Simon, Alicia falls after Rudy. We see that Kara's trying to comfort Simon in some way, but honestly, she believes that it's for her. What do you think's gonna happen to us? Does it matter? It does, it matters to me. I mean, are we even gonna get out of here? Even if we get out of here, I'm finished. Who's going to be able to look me in the eyes with a face like this? I'm a freak. I belong in the fucking circus. Don't talk like that. I happen to think you've been very brave tonight. And I still think you're pretty damn sexy. You're not just doing this to make me feel better, are you? I'm doing this to make me feel better. Okay, Simon, now I see that you finally realize that, hey, she was into you all this time, and now that you're quote-unquote ugly, you just have a fucking little bit of a scar on the side of your face. It's not like your jaw is falling off, you got a giant hole in your cheek, you look like some undead fucking monster, or as you called it, the elephant man. You don't look anything like that, you still look like you. You still look like you're a model, and you can get plastic surgery to fix that fucking shit, you dipshit. Meanwhile, everybody else has fucking died. You don't have a giant fucking hole in your leg like Kirk has on the table, and is probably going to die in just a moment. But no, I look ugly now, and nobody's gonna like me except for her that's gonna give me a pity light. If she's gonna pity fuck you, fucking accept it, okay? And also we see Rudy is also freaking out, but his is a little more reasonable because he believes that he let Casper down and he let her die. What happened? Rudy, what happened? Why does it matter what happened? She's dead. I didn't save her. It's not your fault. It was my fault. It was my fault. Were you here? Did you see it? Did you see me watch them rip her apart? Okay, what's really weird about that scene, as you can kind of hear in and out of it, is that the music is going, then there's that scene. For some reason, he decides that, hey, we don't need music in this section because it's more powerful without the music. And in fact, it's just shitty. And then the music kicks in at the end of it to make you feel, and then he's just like, well, it's not going to happen again. And then he kisses her, right? But it's like, why don't you have that music playing through the whole fucking scene? It doesn't make any sense. Instead, you have it in this echoey room, and you think that this is going to build some sort of, like, I don't know, uh, connection to these characters that are going to make you feel it even more for them. But in fact, it just makes you realize how shitty the acting is in this fucking movie. They go back over to Captain Kirk after they've left him alone by himself for quite some time, bleeding and possibly dying and then the captain says hey you know what you need to make sure that you guys take care of yourselves and forget about me well that cuts it i'm either gonna get better or i ain't in any case you have no aqua a fistful of ammo left and zero rations maybe it's time you stopped babysitting me and started worrying about yourselves a little what you have in mind Check out the rest of the house. See what they can scrounge and where you can fortify yourselves better. There's no telling what's coming through that door next. Maybe there's another way out of here. You guys, this looks like a ship's journal. And according to the officer's logs, it says that Castillo Sermano killed the captain, then beached the ship and lit it on fire. 
Oh, so the stories that Kirk told us make sense now. You better go now. Go. All right. Are you going to be okay? That's fine. If not, I've always got this. The captain's right. we got to get out of here and search the rest of this house. So I guess they went through the captain's log. Huh? Huh? Anyway, uh, I, there's no Star Trek jokes in this episode except for, well, that one, I guess. That's for you. That's for you, Dave. That's for you. Anyway, so they go back over and they decide to search parts of the lab. Inside, they find a bunch of corpses that are there, but they don't seem to be animated like the ones on the outside. They wonder what could possibly be going on, and Alicia, she finds a microscope that has something that's weird when you look inside of it. It has all these weird cells, and they're doing some weird type of, like, division. And she's not sure what's going on, so she calls over Rudy to look, and he discovers what actually they are looking at. blood is blood yeah but it's not human though it's like it's it's like it's been mutated i've never seen anything like it before it's completely unnatural it's fucking genius (laughs) so they go looking through and they determine that you know, there's something type of correlate between the blood and the undead on the outside. They go back over to Kirk, and Kirk hears a noise, decides to go outside, and he sees his old friend, Clint, he's there, or Stamish, or Standish, or Staggerish, or what the fuck his name is. And so he decides that, hey, he needs to put him out of his misery and kills his old friend from being an undead servant of whomever this Spanish guy is. Uh, slowly but surely though he starts getting overrun by the zombies that are outside rudy runs back and he goes outside to save kirk and kirk of course he decides that hey you know what i'm gonna sacrifice myself from everybody you guys need to run and figure out how to get the fuck out of here then he does exactly what he said you shouldn't do earlier which he blows himself up none but like five meters from the fucking door okay he is right fucking there, and then he blows it open so they can't fucking close the door to stop the new wave of zombies from coming inside the fucking place. He basically fucks them, right? He could have given them the more time if he had maybe tried to run out a little further, taken the zombies with him, and then blown himself the fuck up. Who gives this shit at that point? But no, he decides to do it as close to the fucking house as it possibly could be, so that way they have to jump out of the way at the last possible minute... And they lose the front door of the fucking place and can't stop the zombies from coming after them. So they run back into the area where there's a lab and they realize that, hey, there's something else that's being stored in this room. gunpowder well it's a good thing we can use it right the only way we could use it is if we blew it up and it, no it's useless because someone would have to be here to, i'll go into the lab i'm gonna see if i, see if I can find something okay i'll go with you uh-oh gunpowder you know what that means 
I mean, something's going to happen with it later. I mean, they just explained what the fuck was going to go on, right? Like, only one person has to be around for the gunpowder to fucking do something. And here we go. Somebody's going to fucking sacrifice themselves so that they can get out of whatever there is. Well, they decide to go back in the lab. Rudy and Alicia to see if they could find anything. They look and there's the, some red liquid that's there. Then all of a sudden some little like spermy face comes and looks at, at the thing. And in comes Kara and decides, oh, I know. I hear the screaming because they got shocked by these things. Let's shoot it. And the blood then activates the dead bodies that are in the fucking room. It was blood in that fucking thing, okay? And that's the shit that brings the dead back to life, you stupid. Stupid bitch! Why would you shoot it if it's not coming at you and it's not doing anything? Like, oh, stupid decisions. The fucking movie. That's what this fucking is. Stupid fucking decisions. So, of course, the dead are now coming from that way. The dead are coming from the other side of the house, and now the dead are coming in through the windows and they grab Simon. And meanwhile, Kara and Alicia, they find that there's a hidden compartment that will lead them into some catacombs underneath the house. And of course, who kills himself? Why? Fucking Simon. He shoots the gunpowder and then he fucking, you know, saves the day for the moment. They go down inside and they start walking and they kind of wonder what this place leads to. And Kara asks, what happened with Simon? Where the hell are we? Must be some kind of catacomb underneath the house. Simon? Sorry, Karma. This must be how they ship supplies from the ship to the house. If that's the case, then one of these tunnels lead to the beach somewhere. Let's go. So they continue down and they this corridor, and there's one of those fucking game clips at this point. And the only one that kind of makes sense, because it's as they're walking down a corridor and it fades into them walking down a corridor. It's the only one that kind of works, maybe except for the ones during the shooting sequence, the big gunfire sequence, where they cut cutting in spots like you're playing the fucking video games and shooting the fucking zombies as they're shooting the... No, that doesn't fucking work. That one's fucking stupid, just like this one is. Oh my god, I swear I'm going to give myself a heart attack after I do this one for this fucking movie. But So they go down, and all of a sudden the walls start coming to life, because there's fucking moss zombies that are also going to attack them, which I guess are other enemies from the fucking game, right? So far, all we've had was the undead be enemies, and other enemies that we've seen, maybe except for the weird sperm thing that was inside the blood. Uh, I think that was an enemy, enemy from the game, but... Uh, I, I don't remember the moss monsters so much. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. I don't fucking know. But they see somebody who looks like Greg, and they decide that they need to follow him down the hallway. Kara, she decides that, hey, I'm gonna go take care of these guys. Don't worry. And then just runs to get herself fucking killed. Uh, like, what? Why don't you just fucking stay with the group? You can't kill them by yourself. You're just gonna go attack them with your fucking fist and whatever you have left with your fucking desert eagle? You've got, like, no bullets left. Oh, hey, let me go and just fucking rush into these things because, you know what? Simon died and I don't want to fucking live anymore. Fine, fucking kill yourself. See if I give a fucking flying fuck whether or not that you're going to do this, okay? So, he goes down, or they follow what they believe to be Greg down into this room. And it turns out that it's not because while they're looking through everything that's there... Uh, Rudy, he finds Greg hung upside down with all the skin ripped off of his face. He cries out to Alicia that it's not Greg. And then he asks, as he's being transported over to a table by the undead, he asks, 
what I assume is this is the Spanish guy that's still alive, but he's got all these scars on his face now, like his face has been stitched together. And he asks him, why does he want to be immortal? And just wait until you hear the fucking answer that he gives. Why do you want to be immortal? Your body parts, they will serve me well for a long time. Beautiful. You created it all so you could be immortal. Why? It works. <laughs> After all these years, it finally works. The blood lives like I said it would. Fantastic. Did you hear what I said? It works. I'm going to live forever. Forever. So, did you catch it? Did you catch the reason why he made it so that they could be immortal? Did you catch it? I I mean, I'm not sure if you did. Because the answer to that question was so fucking profound that I can't believe somebody actually put it to paper. I never thought of it myself. Why would you do something to make yourself be immortal? To live forever. To live forever. 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 What the fuck? Who the fuck wrote this movie? Who? Who? Who spent their time to do this? To write that on a fucking piece of paper? To either type it in on a computer? To type it on a typewriter? To write it down with their own fucking pen and paper or a pencil? To give it as a reason to live this is stupid this this is the worst 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 thing and who is this guy who is this some spanish guy he's absolutely nothing Uh, so all he's doing is bringing people to the island so that he can kill him so he can harvest body parts for himself so that he can attach him to himself so he can keep living because the parts that he have slowly decay great maybe you could have talked about this with him earlier in the film maybe to make him more of a threat instead of just being the undead you have no idea what is going on here but he wants to live forever that's why he's making himself immortal if you don't see the irony in that and you don't get why i'm fucking pissed off about that We have a problem. (laughs) We really do. It's that bad. Oh. So, they end up escaping from the guy, right? She, he manages to get some of the zombies off of him. She ends up elbowing him and stabbing him with a sword. With a sword. Uh, And then they run out and they throw a grenade in the proper way to stop them from falling up. Like, they actually throw the grenade in the way it's going to blow up and actually kill some people. Thank the fucking God they actually use something right. So they get outside. They're huffing and puffing. They make a joke about, isn't it nice to have somebody want you for your body? Everybody 
kind of last, but everybody's dead, so let's joke about that. <laughs> they wanted us for our bodies. Our friends are dead. They've all got maimed or decapitated or blown up or something or eaten by the dead. <laughs> Somebody wanted us for our bodies. <laughs> and guess who shows up? Some Spanish guy. And he knocks Rudy away, kind of knocks him unconscious for a little bit. And then what happens? Holy shit. Alicia's fencing techniques totally don't come into order because this is just a standard fucking sword fight. There's nothing fencing about this. She's just having a medieval sword fight with this guy. It's not fencing. You can't say this is fencing. Come on. They're just fucking attacking each other with swords. So they're going back and forth, back and forth. And ultimately, he actually stabs her into the chest, causing her to drop to the ground. This allows Rudy to cut his head off with an axe. But then, of course, since he's undead, he's able to still attack him with his body while he's straight up looking at him. For some reason, Alicia gets the strength, even though she's been stabbed through the heart or the chest or wherever the fuck she's been stabbed... Uh, and is able to put enough force to squash his head and for the brains of the Spanish guys to just go everywhere and stop the body and save Rudy and then die herself. Um, and then we see him, you know, sit there for a second and we then cut over and we see some helicopters arriving onto the scene and we see the FBI guys, uh, show up or who I think look kind of like FBI guys, but they're probably some type of like secret agency type of whatever. I don't fucking know what they are. We also see that Rudy, he's walking from underneath the facility, the catacombs that were there with Alicia and the security there. They start asking him who he is. He says a familiar last name, which ties the movies together. He has a little bit of an outgoing monologue. You get the last theme song of the film, and then it does end uh, to much to my <laughs> chagrin. Maintain perimeter. G and I are proceeding inside. Advise of any contact with reanimated homo sapiens. Maintain alpha alert. Who are you? Who are you? We're here to rescue you. Oh. Thanks. She okay? She look okay? What's your name? Rudolph. You got a last name? Curian. I feel guilty. Because of what happened. It was a nightmare. So many dead. So many victims. And people that were my friends. And now we go home. Me and Alicia. And whatever she is now. Whatever I've created. God ain't love a bitch. Is this the end? Or only the beginning? Ignorant to wise, how about hunt the lies? 
Now you guys don't experience the Fun House of the Dead theme song that's in the fight scene, but that's kind of the same type of thing that we've got going on during there, and it sounds like it was fucking recorded in a trash can. Like, I can't believe that they used this type of music for the film. Whoever that was, it sounds very familiar, though. I mean, it's got like a Seven Dust type of vibe to it, and I'd be very scared if that actually was Seven Dust, because then I'd be like, why? Why would you give this, like, why would you take money from this film to give them a song? Well, I guess, you know, they expect people are going to go see it, and that maybe they'll get a little exposure or some shit from it, but honestly, why? Why would you do that? So, do you know what the connection is? See, the last name Kyrian, that's the whole connection. And I was just like, fuck, what does that mean? Well, Kyrian is also the scientist from the first uh, first and third ones I explained before. And his son is that connection, right? He's supposed to be the son of Dr. Kyrian from those games. That's it. So I guess maybe he brings Alicia and then he takes the stuff that's, you know, was inserted into her. And that's how he creates all the stuff for the rest of the House of the Dead series fuck if i know okay i don't know how this is a fucking prequel all i know is this is just fucking shitty man like you you can laugh about things and really it truly is it's laughing at how horrible this film is the choices that are made the first time that you see those video game cuts in the middle of it it's so stupid and then it just gets fucking annoying that fucking line of dialogue that I want to live forever. Well, that's what immortal means. You're making yourself immortal. Why? Because I want to live forever. That's a dumb reason. Good, you want to live forever. But why do you want to live forever? Uh, do you want to take over the world? Like, you have a pinky and brain type of, like, plan that's going to go on. You're wondering, why does Jimmy crack corn and does anybody care? Like, what the hell, man? Why? Why? There is no reason for this movie to have a bad guy. There's no reason for an antagonist to be in this film. And if there is, why not try to give more life to him than what you actually get? Because what you do get is complete and utter horseshit. It makes no sense. Why would you want to do it with this guy? And he's such a non sequitur. And he only shows up during that last little bit to even say anything of what his plan is. And then the movie's fucking over. It's just over. It'd be greater if it had something to do with the Korean family, right? That somehow the doctor had set everything here in motion. And that maybe Rudy actually was a bad guy turned good because all of a sudden his, you know, true love is now involved in the shit and he doesn't want her to be in there. Look, I just wrote a better fucking movie than this fucking screenwriter did. And that was by just changing and tweaking a little bit. You can still do some of the shitty things, but it's not just the screenwriter at fault here. It's also the direction of the film. There are so many just reused sequences. Like when they're being chased in the woods, you see the same shots four or five fucking times. Why? Why do you need to do that? You think that's a good like reason to put in it? Are you also editing these films? Because 
fuck if I know. And if your track record stands by this film, and this is the only one that I know you by, man, I would have never in the lifetime of movies given you another film to do. Unless you're going to use your own money to do it. Or, I guess now in the days of crowdfunding, you could fucking get your own crowdfunded film. And it would still be the worst film that ever fucking lived. Uh, so what do I rate this film? So, in terms of gore, I, I'm actually going to give this a 4 out of 5. Because it's not terribly bad. Um, it Some of it looks pretty good. Like, when he stomps him on the head, that's probably one of the better effects in the film. Probably where most of the money went to. You see the brains squish out and everything. So the gore factor actually is pretty good. Could be better, but... You know, um, a four, I think, is a little generous, but maybe some people might think it's like a three or three and a half. In terms of the crap factor, it's a five out of five. Just from choices to the acting to the sets to the costumes, everything is just so fucking crappy. The only person that actually puts in a good job, honestly, is Clint Howard, and his role still kind of sucks. And then the captain's next. Like I said, I like that character. I don't know why, but those two I like. I don't like anybody else in this film. Your protagonist in Rudy, the one that's giving you the monologue for everything, he's fucking useless and worthless and fucking dry as all shit. The only other person that gave you anything and it was still like Valley Girl, oh my god, anybody could do this fucking hi type of like acting role is the girl that played Cynthia. Otherwise, everybody else just kind of like, uh, Simon's a fucking dick, like fucking baby. You know, why do I even care about him? Why do we even care the fact that Kara wants to be with him? And, you know, he's more interested in Alicia, who's a fucking, like, vapid, one fucking note fucking actress. Like, I don't get it. I don't. I'm glad this movie is rated R. I'm glad that it had the violence in it, the language, and the fucking nudity. That that distracted me from a lot of the other crap that was going on. Fun factor. Uh, you know, originally I was going to give it a two, but it's a one. It's not very fun to watch. It's even when I'm going through it again. I really gave it a two when I first did because there was things I was laughing about. But the more I think about it, the more it makes me upset. And <laughs> I shouldn't be upset about a fucking movie, but I do get upset about a movie. And it's just like it's a trial to sit through. It took me three days to watch this movie. The only other movie that made me like want to stop watching the movie was Thanks Killing Three. Thanks Killing Three. This had the same effect as Thanks Killing 3, and the production quality was better. You have to think about that. Like, I was just bored. I was bored watching this movie. Like, ugh, I have to get through it because I said I would do it for this podcast, and I'm doing it for this podcast. So, it's it's not a very fun film. So, overall, what do I give it? Well, I'm going to give it two inserted video game clips out of five. It's terrible it's laughable at times it's not for those that would give it a five star and this is something that i really haven't done before but i decided you know what i'm gonna go look on amazon's website and i'm gonna see what people have rated this movie i'm gonna look at the five stars and figure out what they are because i can't see why this is five stars there's this one from some called alaska love and there's five star title wow it has a lot of action shows about a person struggles in the survival of one that had lost everything love friendships and how to stand up to your enemies this is a really great movie thank you okay uh that must have been paid for uh here's one that's from mark j house 
And this is from back in 2014. House of the Dead. Certainly not for kids, but even a 16-year-old could probably handle it due to the obvious video game sequences. Not as good as the Rob Zombie film, but worth watching. One of the best gunfight slaughter fests I have ever seen, and I don't mean zombies killing humans. Killer soundtrack, some seriously sexy girls. Look for the Asian girl in the American flag named Liberty. Wow. I really like the set and location in the woods and on an island. This is not a movie you watch to be an intellectual. You watch it for the obvious guilty pleasure that it is. The action reminds me a lot of The Walking Dead on AMC. Human shooting, stabbing, and slicing dozens of zombies at a time. Survival horror with great effects, costumes, and music. If you like Resident Evil-style action, but not quite on that much of a grand scale, this is a quote-unquote hit. And then last one, where it's just Tile House, and this is by Seas from 2013. So if you want to watch Erica Durant's Topless, this is the movie to watch. It showed up on time and in great shape. So even the five stars are, like, ridiculous for this film. I, I was just really fucking curious, like, who would like this movie? Obviously, somebody that wants to see tips. Uh... Not tips, but tits. Uh, somebody that feels that it's not an intellectual film and you're just watching it as a guilty pleasure. And then somebody that doesn't know English as their first language. It's obviously a paid-for review. So <laughs> this is what you get when you watch House of the Dead. Uh, it is not my cup of tea. I don't recommend it for anybody. It's not even a guilty pleasure movie. It will make you angry, and it may have already made you angry, and you might be angry at the fact that I did this movie for the podcast. But, c'est la vie, it is what it is. So what are we doing next time? Now next time, this is a film that some people really like. And I'm not considering this to be a terrible film. This was voted on by Twitter, the horror amino community, and the Facebook group, or Facebook fans. They wanted me to do this movie, so here we go. Your guy's going to get next is Silent Hill. Honey, sometimes when you go to sleep, you go on a little walk. And sometimes you talk about a place. I don't remember. That's why we're going to go there. So you can remember. ago. Yes! I don't know what's happening. Do you know what's going on here? This place is completely cut off. Only the dark one opens and closes the door to Silent Hill. Hey! Where is she? I'm trying to find my wife. She looks exactly like Sharon. Why? Rose, come on! Face the darkness of hell. It's okay, baby. Mommy's coming. 
So Silent Hill is available on Netflix currently at the time of the recording of this podcast. Of course, I don't know how long it's going to be available up there, so you may want to watch it before uh, it leaves. I think it might actually be leaving uh, either at the end of March, possibly, or in the couple weeks into April. So get your fix on Silent Hill. Um, It is available on places like YouTube, Amazon, iTunes, and stuff like that to rent. Uh, I'm sure that you could possibly find it out there somewhere to watch it as well. I think it's worth the watch before you listen to the podcast. And it actually does tie very well into the video game world uh, of Silent Hill. Uh, It's not something I really want to give away, but, you know, I liked the film when it first came out. This is going to be a revisit for me. I've seen it since, and I really liked it. Uh, So we'll have to see what goes on there. I'd almost hope that we had done Silent Hill uh, Revelations, uh, or Revelation... Uh, but, you know, I went with what people voted for. And then after that, it's the surprise video game movie that everybody, uh, I don't know if you're waiting for, but I really want to do. And, uh, oh my God, is I think it's going to be tons of fun, um, especially since it's got one of my favorite uh, dumb actors in it. So, as always, you can like, rate, review the podcast on things like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, um, and uh, Blueberry, fucking, and I know Podknife are a part of that community now. Um, you can also follow me on the Horror Amino app. You can follow me on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter, T underscore, T underscore podcast, Terrible Terror Podcast, and everything else. Twitter, not Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, uh, Instagram, Horror Amino, all Terrible Terror Podcasts. There's just T underscore, T underscore podcast on Twitter. So, uh, you know, I'm trying to be more active with things when I can. Um, and uh, But always uh, check out. You can also find me on the Stardust app. Uh, I've kind of done the little reactions and mini reviews using that app. I sent them up to my Twitter as well. So if you want to follow me on the Stardust app, you can as well. It's Terrible Terror Podcast or just Terrible Terror, I believe, because I don't think it could fit podcast on there. And it's a cool little app just to do quick reactions. I did a reaction to uh, last night, actually, to Pacific Rim Uprising. We went and saw it and, uh, you know, you can hear my reaction to that film there. I also did one on, funny enough, Mr. Rogers, that uh, new documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, which I think everybody should go see if they get the chance. It's not horror, but that guy has such an influence in my life that it's definitely worth uh, a watch. So, And also go make sure you check out uh, all the other podcasts that have supported me, ones like CadaverCast, uh, Be to the Fourth Power, um, his Angry Dad podcast, uh paranormal pativity dave's pop culture podcast make sure you go and listen to his last episode make sure you listen to black cat shadow uh as well their episode with the back in time podcast was really really fun they did one on theirs on the back in time pod which was a nightmare on elm street and then they did a nightmare on elm street 2 over on the black cat shadows podcast so it's kind of like you know helping each of their communities out uh, which is great, and they were both really good podcasts. Um, I found the one on A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 to be extremely interesting because I haven't seen that in a very long time, and everybody talks about Nightmare on Elm Street, um, but it's still a good conversation because you get to hear Dave's opinion on it. Um, but on the second one, it's really weird. It makes me want to go back and actually watch that one again to make sure to see if I actually still hate it like I did back in the day. So uh, go check those out, and... Uh, 
and, and also Mr. Uh, Fear Merchant too. <laughs> Go check out the Bizarre Cast. Uh, Richard, you know, he's actually one of the ones that's been telling me to do House of the Dead. And uh, here I am doing House of the Dead. So there you go, Richard. Now you can uh, listen to this one as well. And I also want to thank everybody that took the time to download and listen the special episode that I did last episode. Uh, That was just something I put out there. There were a lot of people that listened to that uh, more than I thought. And it means a lot that you guys uh, even took the time to hear me speak and say those things. And... It's been a very trying time these last couple of weeks, and to do a movie about the dead at the same time that you're trying to go through all that rigmarole uh, that's there, it's very difficult, but I appreciate it, um, and as always, I will talk to you guys next time. Don't forget to watch Silent Hill, and uh, after that movie, it'll be the last of the video game movies. Oh, and send your suggestions for sci-fi movies, uh, as well as kid horror movies. That's right. That's something that I want to look at, uh, and I'm going to. I have some movies in mind, but I wouldn't mind some other suggestions. And that means movies that were scary as you were a kid, or that were scary movies designed for you as a kid. Think Goosebumps, but in in film form. Not the Goosebumps film. No, I'm not touching that fucking movie. But, like, you think about uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? I've heard a lot of people fucking talk about that TV show nowadays, but... That, where it was like these horror stories for kids, right? And so I want to look at movies that may not have been necessarily specifically horror stories, and some that are, but that were towards kids. So one good example I'd give you is Witches with Angelica Houston. That film freaked me the fuck out when I was a kid. But I'd like to hear some more suggestions for you guys. So either tweet at me. Send me a message on Facebook, send me a direct message, um, or hit me up on the Horror Amino app. So, with that further said, I will see you guys next episode for Silent Hill. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.